Hey, ladies, I'm Jen Chappelle, and you're listening to In Sisterhood, where I share my real talk conversations with female entrepreneurs and other inspiring women, first here in Knoxville, then the world. As strong women and female entrepreneurs, we're often juggling a million things at once. Trying not to drop the ball sometimes means we lose touch with others, especially when we have to stay six feet apart. When we're stressed, we can feel isolated, disconnected, and alone in our struggles. That's where the Insisterhood community comes in. I'm going to guess that if you've listened to our show, you experienced a moment of recognition. Maybe you heard something that felt familiar. Maybe my guest said something that inspired you. Maybe you felt like you were a part of our conversation. By becoming a patron, you can join the conversation. I give my patrons a sneak peek of future guests and the opportunity to submit questions for those interviews. You'll also gain access to an exclusive monthly virtual hangout for Insisters, where we can continue the conversation and go deeper. Head to patreon.com slash insisterhood for more information. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash insisterhood. I hope you'll join our community on Patreon. Well, actually, I insist. A few months ago, I was looking for face masks to wear when I went back to work. I knew I wanted to support a local maker, and one of the retro craft fair gals suggested I reach out to someone named Melissa Everett. So I found her on Instagram, and I told her what I was looking for. Solid color masks, gray or black, with a metal nose piece and a filter pocket. She said she could do that, and she even hand-dyed the fabric. When I picked them up from her porch, I was so impressed with the quality. They were beautiful and well-made. So I did what I always do when I'm considering a woman to be a guest on the show. I started creeping her on social. (laughs) I fell in love with her work. And people started sending me messages. You need to interview Melissa Everett. So I did. Melissa Everett is the artist and mastermind of Melissa Everett Textiles. She's a self-taught quilter and textile artist. She dyes her own fabrics. She screen prints. She does whatever the fuck she wants with fabric. Ever the rule follower, Melissa gets to let go and make her own rules in her art. Not only do I admire Melissa's work, I also admire the ways she's using her work to stand up for social justice. After our interview, she told me about the anger she's been feeling regarding the treatment of BIPOC folks and those in the LGBTQIA community. She's channeling those feelings into her art and finding ways to give back. So, here we go. Please make sure your seat backs and tray tables are secured. Keep your hands and arms inside the vehicle at all times and tighten up the old earbuds. Here's me and Melissa chatting on In Sisterhood. 
I just ate lunch and I'm all like, <clears throat> and I was like, I have to eat something before this. So I'm not like chewing on something or <laughs> I usually just try not to eat like dairy. Cause that always gets, Oh yeah. 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 That just sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like the only thing I remember from like middle school choir was like, don't drink milk before singing. So yeah. <laughs> what part did you sing? Um, in choir were you alto or soprano or yeah I think I was an alto but alto. I'm I'm not a singer so okay I will sing in the car but um that's about it what do you like to sing in the car <laughs> um I'm just um just anything that gets me excited I suppose I am a big Pearl Jam fan um so I'm kind of like a grunge kid and I like, um, I like all that music, but, um, then I don't know. I have a pretty wide taste in, in music. So it just depends what catches my ear at the time, I suppose. We love Pearl Jam in our house too. Yay. Were, were you growing up like right in the middle of grunge? Because yeah. like my husband really likes Pearl Jam and like, I really like Pearl Jam, but we kind of missed that. Okay. We we came to it later. We weren't wearing flannel when everybody else was wearing flannel. <laughs> Were you wearing flannel at the right time, at the appropriate time? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think that um I didn't love I guess I didn't love the trend. I loved the music. Like I didn't I didn't wear the I didn't wear the flannel. For the, you know, um but my husband and I will travel for Pearl Jam. So our last Pearl Jam show, we made it to Seattle. And then we were supposed to see Pearl Jam in April before COVID. And they canceled that one. And that was that was kind of devastating. But um, yeah, we really, we really enjoy traveling for Pearl Jam. We'll travel for Pearl Jam. <laughs> <laughs> we got um, my former acupuncturist. Jody Manross and her husband love Pearl Jam and they got my daughter when she was still in utero <laughs> got her a Pearl Jam onesie yeah. a long time ago. I had one of those for my boys. <laughs> how many how many kids do you have? Uh, I have two boys. Uh, one is starting kindergarten and one will be a third grader. So 5 and 8. Okay. And what are what is your plan for? I know I told you in our texts that I'm going to be starting homeschooling. What's your plan going to be for school this fall? Well, mine are very excited to go to school. So Eli, Eli is excited to get back, and um, I think he needs the social aspect of it. So we're planning on going back if if school's open, and. Um, then my kindergartner, I just, I think kindergarten is all about being social and meeting new people and learning to follow rules and do this and that. So um, I really hope that he can go for at least just a little bit, <laughs> but I'm not holding my breath. Um, so yeah, we're going back. How does that feel? Like, you know, are you, um, do you feel confident in the choice? Do you have anxiety about that, about them going back? Um, I'm, I'm confident. Um, I, I think we, everybody's doing the best for the situation and everybody has to make these decisions, um, that feel good to you and what your family needs. And, um, our situation, 
I don't really have any um, high risk family members that I knew, you know, that live in our home or anything like that. Um, so I really think my kids socially need um, need to be around people and um, get out of the house. <laughs> I hear you. So, I hear you. <laughs> so yeah, that's. We're, I, I'm I'm confident with my decision. I totally appreciate everybody making the decision for themselves. Um, you know, I have friends who are staying home and friends who are going back. So it's it's family to family. It definitely is, and I I hope that we are all doing the best we can out here, being respectful of one another's choices yeah. too. Yeah, definitely. Are your kids gonna show up in like? The coolest masks? Oh, of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, it's funny because I like I'll pick out fabrics for them and then they'll be like, um, no. Like I am like, okay, fine. Why am I trying to pick out so are you from Knoxville? I am not. I came to Knoxville for school. So I graduated from UT in two thousand five. And I've I met my husband. Um, we lived in the same apartment complex and then he got a job. So we've just stayed. That's so sweet that you yeah. lived in the same apartment complex. <laughs> Did you like see him like unlocking his door and you were like, hey, <laughs> or like, <laughs> did, were you in like the laundry room together? Like what happened? How uh, did you meet? Well, so that's funny. We, I had just moved in to an apartment with two friends and um like middle of the year because the other situation didn't work out and moved in with my other two friends and they lived across the way and one night I was I was I remember the night he came out one night I was headed to bed they were all staying up drinking I was like all right I'm going to bed see you guys later and then James walked in with a 12 pack of beer and I was like oh hi <laughs> I'm still going to bed I'll catch you guys later so but he was dating someone at the time and I was dating someone at the time then it kind of both of those broke off close close to the same time and um so I called him I think I called him because I I got dumped I was like I just got dumped and I knew you would understand <laughs> so then we then we started hanging out so what did you major in in school? Was it, did you get a, a BFA? No. Mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> my, I think my high school art teacher pretty much scared me out of going to school for art. So um, that, that's kind of a bummer. I do look back on that and think, why did, why did I get scared of that? But um, I'm a morning person. And I think he said it would be late nights and no sleep and lots of work. And I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> mm. I'm like, I'm like a morning person. I want to get up and do everything. But, um, I majored in recreation, therapeutic recreation, actually. Um, I wanted to do something that was, I guess I probably went to college because I was supposed to, not because I knew what I wanted to do. Mm. And, um, don't we all, <laughs> I, I mean, I was like, okay, this is next. But, um, so I majored in recreation and I got some good experiences. I got to work with, um, 
kids with ADHD, learning disabilities, um, autism. Those were my, that was my favorite population. So it was kind of fun. But then I never actually worked in it. So I got that experience and <laughs> kept going. What made you choose that to study? I don't know. I think I just wanted to challenge myself and I hadn't had any um, experience with a, with that population with like this disabled people. Um, I don't, I don't know. It was just, um, I loved recreation. I, um, I think, uh, let's see, I went to Outward Bound School after my freshman year of college and spent 25 days in the Colorado wilderness trying to navigate out with a map and a compass and it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty intense situation um but I did learn that I loved recreation and hiking and I was good at it I was good at that kind of stuff so and I was also with the population of like, I was the person who wanted to be there to grow, but a lot of people were there because their parents had sent them there to, um, um, just for different situations. All the, you know, all of, one of them had behavior issues, you know, just yada, yada. So anyway, I had that experience and I think that kind of led me into studying therapeutic recreation and how to help people with their recreation um, pursuits. That's so cool and like so empowering, <laughs> but like at the same time, like, you know, really hard. Yeah. The outward bound experience, I'm assuming, yeah. was that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, a friend had told me that I could get a scholarship and my freshman year in college, like I called my mom every day. I talked to my mom every day. Like I really had to gain some independence I felt like mm. so I a friend told me that she had gotten a scholarship and that they gave out scholarships so I applied for a scholarship for Outward Bound and like a leadership scholarship and I got it so I went out there and did the thing the the program for free but it was tough because I like wanted that experience where other people didn't want that they didn't want to be there it was like they were forced to be there by their parents I was the oldest in my group also so it was kind of, um, it was challenging, um, but I made it the whole time. I think over half of my group went home <laughs> and dropped out and gave up. Wow. But um, I really was able to gain some independence from my mother, no matter how hard that was, just not being able to talk to her for 25 days and what I was going through and, you know, but it showed me that like, oh, you can handle this. You can handle life. You can make decisions. Um, you're stronger than you thought we were. So it was good. Life-changing, probably. It sounds like it. Yeah. Where where are you in the um in the birth order of your family? Are you an only child or are you the baby of the family or I'm the oldest. The oldest. Yes. Okay. Yep. I, um, I'm the oldest of three. So I have a brother in the middle and my sister is the youngest. Um, there's about two years between each of us. I'm like so astounded that you talked to your mom on the phone, like every single day. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, it was, 
that so that was 2001 so that was also 9-11 oh yeah it was um yeah it was a tough year so where did you grow up I grew up in Waynesville North Carolina it's a, about an hour and a half just before you get to Asheville out, right outside of Asheville but I was born and raised there and then went to UT yeah, I was like, you know, trying to listen to your voice and you do have a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a, a twangy thing going on. Yeah. A little bit of a drawl, but not, <laughs> not, not a whole lot. No. Well, if I hang out in Waynesville for a little bit, it definitely comes back out <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and I have braces on. So I like I, every once in a while I'll get a weird whistle or something I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> What's that like having braces as an adult? Um, it's it's been interesting. I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I my son had braces to like scoot his teeth over so another tooth could come in, and I was like, well, if I'm bringing him, I might as well just straighten mine out. But a year later, I have him. I still have mine on, and he doesn't. So. Oh man. Oh well, I'm almost done. I think. When I was in high school and they told me that I needed braces, the orthodontist said, 18 months. That's it. 18 months. Mm-hmm. I had them for four years. Yeah. I heard, I have a couple of friends who had them like in their teenage years were like, I had them for like four, I'm like four years. I will not make it four years. Good luck. <laughs> uh yeah once i reach the two-year mark i'm gonna be like okay i'm done can i have a retainer let's just stop here this is good if you made it through outward bound you can you can do adult braces exactly exactly <laughs> i just had to tap back into that so when did you know you mentioned art that you were taking art class in high school mm-hmm. When did you come to the medium of of textiles and and sewing and and yeah. things like that? I so after I had my first son, I was spending late nights breastfeeding and up and I think I was just like wanting to make him something. Mm. Um so I was like I started looking through fabrics just because they they were pretty and colorful and like huh but I was able to teach myself to quilt through blogs so somehow in the middle of the night (laughs) I decided I was going to make him a quilt and buy some fabrics and that's kind of how it started I had a sewing machine a friend had given me sitting around and um I'd I'd taken like home ec in high school. So I knew how to use a sewing machine, but um, that's where it started. (laughs) Those late nights. Uh, That's a interesting parallel to my life. I, this year, one of the, one of the things that I had like as a goal for myself this year was to make a quilt for my son. Uh Um, It was something that like last year, I I had this like big drive to do, but I just never, it was like a, it was a future thing, you know? Yeah. It wasn't a big deal yet, but I, I, yeah. I knew it was there. And then I was like, okay, 2020, it's the year of the quilt. We're, <laughs> we're going to make it happen. And, you know, I started strong mm-hmm. 
and then COVID hit and I stopped. Uh-huh. And then I was like in May, I was like, I'm going to finish this for his birthday. His birthday was in May. And I, I put in some long nights, uh-huh. didn't, didn't get it finished. It's still not finished, but I will finish it by the end of the year. Yay. Well, if you need any help, just holler. Thanks. <laughs> See, I'm, I don't like sewing machines. Okay. I don't like them. I feel like they're really clunky and then there's like the bobbin is always screwing up and I, so I'm hand sewing the quilt. So that's why it's, that's one reason why it's taking so long. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you made this quilt for your son and then Uh did you just start making more stuff after that? Yeah. It just snowballed after that. It's just, (laughs) um, it was a way to keep, Um, so I was staying at home with him, you know, full time Mm -hmm. and I just needed something else to, um, bide my time between naps or I, I've definitely found, especially through this quarantine that I do not like domestic life. (laughs) I don't like cleaning. I don't like cooking. Um, so I think at that time I was just trying, like I needed something else to entertain my mind and my time and my hands. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So then I started collecting fabrics and, um, I made, I've made several quilts since then. So when did you start deciding that, you know, you had like a talent to share? Um, I joined the Knoxville Modern Quilt Guild um, probably, I don't know, pretty soon after I made my first couple of quilts. And they really empowered me to like keep going and that, um, that I was, you know, that I was doing it right. Because I, well, when I say right, I mean like traditional quilt making, like using a quarter inch seam and anyway so (laughs) just I was making it in the traditional way but in a new modern like visual so I was still using like the traditional techniques but I was um, making different shapes yeah when did you decide to start you know how did you start making money off of this or selling quilts or you know it's hard to sell a quilt people don't um People can find quilts at Target and, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, anywhere on the internet. And But um, people would reach out and ask me to make custom ones for babies or friends or family. Um, most of the time, quilts end up, I end up giving quilts to family members or friends for different events. But um, so that I think then after the realization that quilts are not um, valued for the work that's in them. Um, Mm. People see them as more of like a utility object when really they're quite artful. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when I kind of leaned into like my napkins and towels and um, trying to explore smaller things that could sell. So yeah, it's been a slow process, but I think I've been um, trying to trace, stay true to myself. I think what sells is so much different sometimes 
than what you actually want to be making. Hmm. So I'm trying to stay true to like, I, I want to make this. <laughs> um, so I think that's kind of how it's evolved slowly. And so you do, you dye fabrics too. Mm-hmm. How yeah. did you get into that? I, so as I was saying, like in the very beginning, I would spend lots of time searching for fabrics, but I did, I mean, you can spend a lot of time searching the internet for beautiful fabrics and there's tons of options, but I think I was like searching so hard to find something so specific that like, I was like, Melissa, this is like, you know what you want. So let's try and make it. How, how can we get to this? How can we get your more of your voice in your quilt? So, um, I was introduced to Coral Turner who went to school for textiles at Arizona state. And she, introduced me to these inks and this extender that don't feel plasticky. So like on t-shirts, you can fill the plastic. And I didn't want that in my quilt. I wanted something that set in, in the fabric mm. so that the um, quilts would still be nice and supple and you want to still cuddle under them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then she taught me about screen printing and I was able to do all that. But I also wanted to try out dyes too, because that sounds fun. Why not? Um, so I taught, I bought this one book. Maybe it started with tie dyeing. We always like, we all, everybody loves tie dyeing, especially right now. I think everyone in quarantine has been tie dyeing. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a trend right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's awesome. So I kind of, um, took tie dyeing and found this book about dyeing fabrics um, by this quilter. So it was like specifically for quilters and dyeing. And that really helped me learn how to dye. And so I've just, I just like experimenting. I like to look at a project and try it, even if I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, I think that's how I've learned all of this is I just, um, I just keep trying and experimenting and teaching myself something new. But that's exciting to me. <laughs> it's it's really amazing because, I mean, I'm just, you know, I've perused your website and some of the examples of your work on there, you know, is just the fact that you're totally self-taught. <laughs> it's like really awesome. And the fact that you taught yourself how to do this in between, you know, having two kids and all of the, you know, work that goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been my um, sanity saver. It's just nice to be able to get away and like meditate and sewing things back together <laughs> when it feels like everything's falling apart. Um, it gives me space to breathe and be creative. So and look at bright colors. <laughs> <laughs> this one picture that I'm looking at right now on your website, it's on the collaboration page. Uh-huh. And it's like a, it's a wall hanging with a bunch of like circle shapes uh-huh. sewn all over it. Yeah. And it's so bubbly and effervescent <laughs> looking yeah. and beautiful. And then I think about how hard it is to sew a circle and I'm well, like, how did she do this? <laughs> don't let it trick you. It's actually screen printed. So <gasps> is it really? Um, most 
I think there are some circles sewn on there, but it's raw edge applique. But for the most part, those are all, um, those, most of those are screen printed on. So it's a screen of circles. And then I just like screen printed all those around. And then the same thing with like the curly, the background shapes. Those are all screen printed designs in between the circles. Mm. Yes, but then um, I went back and added a couple dyed circles. So like the dark dark blue and the dark red are applique shapes, but they're just mm -hmm. raw edge. So yeah, but this that quilt lives at a friend's house and she actually had it framed. So it's really spectacular. It's wow. really quite spectacular framed, but um, <laughs> if I do say so much. Um, no it's a cool it, it is a cool it's one of my I like that piece you mentioned that it's very fulfilling to be able to sew things back together when everything seems to be falling apart mm -hmm. <laughs> obviously the world is crazy right now mm -hmm. but when you were learning to do all of these things and gaining these skills and teaching yourself. I mean, the world's always been crazy, but it wasn't this crazy. <laughs> it wasn't 2020 crazy. Yeah. Very so true. what were you, um, I mean, did it feel, you mentioned it's sanity saving. So, mm -hmm. you know, when you become a mother, there is a certain tearing down and reconstructing mm -hmm. of of your identity, of your body, mm -hmm. um, of your time. How did this work that you found, how did that tie in to the, the tearing down and the reconstructing that happens when you become a mother? So motherhood was, especially at the beginning, was really hard for me. So I think I was definitely torn down but through there was you know parents hard but having babies was really hard for me um just in a transition i'm awful with change and um so it was a hard transition going from working you know 40 to 50 hours a week in the restaurant industry to being at home with a baby who needed you to take care of it nonstop. <laughs> mm. Um, so I think I was definitely, um, just looking for a way to like, keep my hands busy, be, be present, but, um, yeah, not go crazy. It was, it was just a hard time <laughs> until I tell, I tell people, I didn't like having a baby until about 10 months old when they like smile at you and sit <laughs> up and like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You're cool. Some people really gravitate towards the newborn phase and other people mm -hmm. gravitate towards, you know, closer to one. Yeah. Some people are like, give them to me after they can wipe their own butt. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm going to, uh, my, my kids have been doing pretty well considering, <laughs> considering where we are right now. I'll take, I'll take a five and an eight year old. When... You know, like when you become a mom, there is some like messaging that, you know, you're supposed to be super duper in love 
you know, with your baby and like that you're just not only are you supposed to be super in love with your baby, but you're supposed to be in love with the phase of life that you're in. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. have met some women who just really loved slowing down and being in the moment, caring for a newborn that way. Um, and I've met a lot of women who were really disenchanted by it and that were like, we didn't think it was going to be this hard. Mm-hmm. So how did you kind of navigate the, 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 like the cultural messaging that you were supposed to be in love with that phase of life? I am me <laughs> and um, I can't listen. I, I just have to steer away from cultural messaging like that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I have to protect what feels good to me and I can only handle so much and I can only do so much. So especially in the, you know, when the boys were little, it was just, I don't mean to sound like really want, 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 but um, <laughs> Debbie Downer. <laughs> oh my gosh. I won't, I won't tell you this. Like that, that's what my friends call me. So if I, if at any point, like you need to like cut out parts of my want, 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 you're welcome to. <laughs> oh, um, no, um, I try not to be pessimistic. Um, I try to be more, I try and call myself realistic, but I don't know. I think sometimes I'm a little too WD. Okay. Well, like, let's, let's like get back to your narrative. How about we get into the the narrative? Like, so you grew up in North Carolina, you came to UT, you met your husband, you graduated, and is, then you started working in restaurants. Is that? Yeah. So while I, when I was in college, I was working part time um, for a catering company, and then. Um, when I finished school, a full-time job opened up. So I took it at the catering company. And so I was there for 10 years, I think. Mm. And then um, I quit like September, I, I was done September 1st, 2011. And then my son was born September 22nd, mm. two weeks late. And then lots of changes happened after that. But um I think good ones and I'm happy with where we are. I'm glad I'm not catering (laughs) when everybody's having fun. You're working. Yeah. (laughs) Can I ask one more question about like that newborn (laughs) face? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to like poke at you or anything. I just, I'm just like, you know, so I heard you say that you realize like you don't really like domestic work. Mm -hmm. Um, So what was the impetus for you to quit your job and be a stay-at-home mom? Was it because childcare is crazy? Yeah. Well, um, so my husband was working shift work and I was pretty much like restaurant industries, pretty much, you know, like nights, weekends. So we both couldn't be working nights and weekends. And Mm -hmm. uh, there was just, I was, I I needed, I needed a change. Like yeah. as much as I enjoyed um, the creativity with catering um, and being, at, you know, being the introvert at social events, but having like an out, like you're actually just working. 
like it was nice. <laughs> you can just hide in the background. But um, one of us had to change, and it was me. Okay. James, yeah, James likes his job. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you joined the the Modern Quilt Guild, the Knoxville Modern Quilt Guild, which I didn't even like. I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah. So yeah. that's really cool. Yeah. There's lots of beautiful work coming out of there. Um, so there's also, it's a national, international organization. And we have a Knoxville chapter. And I was president of it for a bit. And then, um, you know, I left to let, let somebody else take that. But um, there's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's great. I've learned a lot from them. Everybody has different styles and it's a really you know we have a wide range of ages styles but you always learn something new when you go and visit that's really cool yeah when did you decide to like set up your website and like actually like you know put yourself out there on the internet I I think I wanted to do like an art show and like maybe feel more like an artist than just like, you know, um, making quilts, like people, it's just such a, it's such a strange, um, art form. <laughs> people, people, it's just underappreciated as an art. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about like, people think it's more of like a utility object. They don't, I mean, like people have said to me so many times at events that I've done um oh my grandma makes quilts and I'm just like that's great your grandma was an artist <laughs> like I was went mm. like they don't they don't see um for some reason like that doesn't make a connection um mm. so I wanted to kind of go take my quilting to a more of an art level maybe like just be like make it look like like make it more obvious that this is an art And not Mm -hmm. um, just something your grandmother does. So I, um, yeah, I had the website. I had help with the website from um, Shanna Do It. And I love, I love how it turned out. You, you sound like you're like really passionate about letting people know that quilting is an art form. Mm -hmm. Um, And where does that like fire inside of you for that, for this passion? Where does that come from? Like, how do you, why, why are you taking up the mantle of like quilting is an art? Like I agree (laughs) with you, but like, you know, where does Um, that come from? I don't know. Um, Maybe it's a little feminist thing. Maybe it's, um, I just, I think it's more than why quilts were made for years and years was to keep families warm. And out of necessity and that they, you know, sewing pieces of clothing back together just to keep their families warm. It's what the women were doing, um, you know, slaves were doing um, mm-hmm. to keep their families warm. And um, I just think that they, those women are like all, all of us are making artwork. They're, we're making decorations for our home that not only will keep us warm, but like you want to cuddle up under, you want to look at her. Um, I mean, one of my, one of the quilt, maybe the only quilt from my childhood that my great grandmother made 
I remember sitting around with my sister, just looking at the quilt and picking out which, you know, which pinwheel combination was our favorite. So that, that's an art. That's, um, I just, I'm passionate about quilts. (laughs) 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 I hope there's other ones of you out there. (laughs) I think it's, you know, talking about women in history, the work of women at, in the home Mm-hmm. for a very long time was you know a lot of making clothes making mm-hmm. quilts making mm-hmm. candles making soap um you yeah. know like cooking doing all kinds of stuff and being incredibly thrifty mm-hmm. and frugal and creative and resourceful yeah but all of that is really creative yeah it's all like you know there's a lot of art mm-hmm. in those little things that we don't really think of as art because it feels very mundane to mm-hmm. just pull the covers up and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe it's just what women do. That's just what they do. <laughs> that's not just what I do. That's, um, that's what brings me joy and um, gives me comfort. Um, so you know, as small as some, some of these domestic things are and as, you know, as exhausting as some of them are for me, like there's more to me than just that. Mm -hmm. So when did you, or how did you decide to like start making masks? (laughs) Well, um, I, I think it started in the, I guess it's probably started in April when there, you know, they were saying that there was a mask shortage and hospitals were just going to run out and anybody who can make masks should be making masks. And I thought about it and I was like, you know, oh, everybody's going to be making masks. Do, do I really need to be chipping in in this way? What do I need to be doing? But um, I think I just felt a pull to to do it. Like I, you know, I was at home, I had all the materials, there was nothing really stopping me. So it was kind of exciting because I have quite a stash amassed of, you know, other people's prints. So I just went and started making masks. I would say, um, and I donated at least 200 to hospitals and friends and family in the beginning. Wow. Yeah. Um, so then you know, I was make. I, I just it kind of kept evolving. I think the mask is the mask I've made. Um, the the style has evolved. I'm really happy with where we are now, and I think they're comfortable and they cover everything that needs to be covered. And but um, I want to help. I'm I'm a helper, and that's probably why I have this part time job because I want to help. <laughs> so that was my small way of trying to help in this crazy time, I think. Well, my kids love their masks and I love our, I love my masks that you made for me too. They're comfortable. And it's nice knowing like, you know, somebody here made them. Yeah. They're not like the old, you know, old Navy or like Target, all of those places. Everybody, everybody's selling masks now. Yeah. But like, where did they come from? (laughs) You know, I don't know. So what, so, you know, you, you've got this, you're like churning out these masks. 
especially like <laughs> 200, you made like over 200 masks and you've got a part-time job and you're taking care of these two kids yeah. and being a wife. And hopefully like, hopefully you have some friends. Well, I wasn't working. So I just came back into the office. So I haven't been working at the church for a while. Hmm. I kind of, um, I mean, I was at home with the boys, but then, um, another woman who works the office, she's been having to help with childcare with her granddaughters. So we're kind of trying to split it. Mm. Yeah. So, um, I did have a little extra time and the masks are like a small project, like a small complete that I can, I can make one and have a finished product very quickly. It's very satisfying to have that mm. <laughs> small completion in your day. Um, and you know, it's getting my work out to a larger audience, which is kind of exciting that I'm, I, you know, I probably wouldn't have reached otherwise. So that part's been fun to try new techniques as far as dyeing or screen printing and then put them on something small scale that I can share. Do you have any ideas about where you'll go from here in terms of, you know, selling your products? to the world <laughs> yeah. before all the stores shut down i was selling at mid mod collective and um, at my friend's gallery 214 magnolia mm -hmm. so i had some of my products there and um that was great and I, I enjoyed doing that so hopefully we'll get back there but right now everything will be online and that's working so you've got the masks you've got napkins tea towels uh -huh. what else is is that it oh you have some pouches uh, there are a couple of small quilts on there as well like wall hanging i see um on your website that in august there's a 20 percent donation to a nonprofit fighting for voting rights for all uh -huh. and then on your home page the words justice, equality, and peace. Can you talk about those values and how they show up for you? Um, I guess part of um, making masks was also I wanted to raise money for some organizations that were helping during these times. Um, I saw Lindsay Sharp do like an art sale on her Instagram to raise money for um the Service Industry Coalition. And I think that was in April. And I was like, okay, yeah, I have artwork lying around that um, this is, that's, I, should, I should also do something like that. So um, I auctioned off a quilt with proceeds going to Knoxville, uh, the Family Justice Center in Knoxville, I think. I, for some reason, want to mix all of those words in a different order. So through my art, I thought um, I could use it, you know, to raise money for different organizations. Um, and I uh, just, you know, filled myself with worry about people who are going through domestic abuse or, um, you know, children who are um, children who are going hungry right now because they don't get to go to school. So I think the I did. Um, fundraising on the website with masks 
So 20% each month or more has gone to an or a nonprofit organization. We did Second Harvest and ACLU Tennessee. And then I auctioned off another, a big quilt. And that was really successful and really like wonderful to raise $450 for a quilt um, for Black Lives Matter. So each month I've kind of changed it with what's been going on socially. Um, just kind of like what, you know, who everybody needs some support right now. But um, there are some that need more support than others. Yeah. So, um, so that, I, that also kind of weighs into why I'm selling masks is kind of just to help um, raise awareness and money for some organizations. So actually last night I woke up and I was like, oh, ooh, quilt idea. Yes. So I think I have my next quilt idea, which is exciting. I'm um, looking forward to some time to chop up some fabric and sew it back together. <laughs> Can you tell us about your idea or do you keep it a secret until it comes oh, to no. fruition? Um, so I made some rainbow bandanas. I hand painted them with a technique I use, which is kind of like a funneling technique. But I I take a Play-Doh container and I cut the bottom out of it and then I put my ink inside this Play-Doh container so it controls the shape that I paint on the fabric. So I painted some fabric with like some rainbow colors. And I think I'm going to chop it up and then add in some bright solids and maybe like blacks and browns and tans. So it's going to be like, I'm really, I'm really excited. <laughs> That sounds cool. I can't wait to, I can't wait to see. So I, um, I just want, I'm working on teaching myself more about a black person's life and point of view and, um, you know, through reading or Instagram, which has been really lovely, you know, lovely in the way of like, I'm learning and making changes. Mm-hmm. And it's showing up in your art. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want, I want that to happen as well. What kinds of barriers do you see that would restrict a person from expressing themselves through the art form that you have chosen? Obviously there's like the knowledge barrier mm-hmm. of It takes some skill. You have to learn how to sew. You have to learn about fabric. And if you want to dye your own fabric, you have to learn about that. Yeah. Um, Then there's like access to materials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I guess I don't like to look at the barriers. Um, Or maybe I have that uh, privilege to not Mm -hmm. look at. So, you know, that, that aspect, um, I think there are ways to learn and I think there are ways to use, um, anything you have to make quilts. Yeah. Like you said, you don't have a sewing machine, but you're hand quilting. Um, I think there are lots of ways to still make quilts with, um, less supplies or less tools. You don't have to go to Joanne Fabrics or yeah. whatever quilt shop A, B, or C and buy yeah. 
certain things you can make quilts yeah. out of scrap and old clothes right. and I mean that's that's what that's what many people used to do they um they used what they have uh especially if you look at like G's Bend quilts those are all going to be made out of things that they had on hand G's Bend is a group of black women in G's Bend Alabama so G's Bend quilts is named after the area where these beautiful quilts came from, but there's lots of different quilters in the area and they're doing, you know, they didn't have much. Did you say G's Bend? Yeah. G-E-E-S. Okay. Yeah. G's Bend. Alabama. I will look it up. And to be clear, I do have a sewing machine. I am just terrified of it. (laughs) I watched this woman sewing on, um, a big long arm machine, which is like a giant quilting machine that has a computer attached to it. And she was like, she had her hands near the needle the other day on Instagram. I was like, oh my gosh, wow. She, I, she's brave. <laughs> I really hope she does not stick her finger. But with the computer driving it, like she had her hands on. Anyway. Isn't it so crazy to think that now sewing machines are like, you know, computer operated as opposed to solely foot, foot pedal operated. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think that's, um, I have a hard time wanting to quilt my quilt with the computer. I, I really enjoy. Uh, so all of mine are done on my, all, well, not all of them. If they're bigger than twin size, I will send them somewhere just because I can't really quilt much bigger than a twin size, but, um, I enjoy the rhythm of quilting. And doing it myself. And the flaws that come with it. Mm. I think that sometimes scares other quilters that they're going to mess something up. And um, I've never, like, luckily, I, I always <laughs> seem to go to my problem solving and I'm like, okay, I don't like that. Like on that piece that we were talking about earlier that, I, that had like the round circles. Mm-hmm. I think there were spots on it that I didn't like. And I was like, okay, I'll do some applique. So that's how like the cloth circles ended up on it. There's always a way to solve a problem. <laughs> if you see it as a problem. That's an artistic behavior that, that, that bleeds over into everyday life. Mm-hmm. One thing that I like to talk to my guests about is like what does the division of labor look like at home? So between like you and your husband, mm-hmm. how do you share the responsibilities of par- of parenting? And, you know, you already mentioned you don't really like the domestic stuff. Yeah. Um, so how do you <laughs> divvy that stuff up? We, we do pretty well. Um, my mm-hmm. husband has been doing most of the, well, I've, I think I've been to the grocery store once through this pandemic. So he's done all the grocery shopping and most of the meal prep, I would most of feeding us, which he, he's a, he's a good cook. He enjoys doing that part. So that, that has worked out for both of us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We split it up pretty, he, we split it up pretty, pretty good. And his mom did a good job of teaching him domestic ways. So I think we have a pretty balanced relationship there. When you said like his mom, I think his mom did a pretty good job of teaching him to, the domestic ways. The The words domestic arts mm-hmm. came into my mind. Yeah. The domestic arts. It is art. 
Yeah. Yeah. Instead of home economics, mm-hmm. it should be called domestic arts. Yeah, there we go. I like that. <laughs> and so as far as like experiencing a change of pace with COVID, a lot of people are slowing down. You know, you're not getting to go as many places. Mm-hmm. Um, things are getting canceled are you appreciating the slower pace or is it, is it hard for you to slow down? Um, I've done a lot of pacing. So I like, I like to be busy. I like to, I like to be going, but I think the slowing down has really, you know, allowed us to focus on um, our family and um, their like the boys needs and also to like see how they handle crisis. I think it's interesting just talking to other friends who, you know, what their kids are going through also. Um, it's been kind of interesting to um, navigate. Okay. Like this child gets really angry. This child goes in into himself, you know, like he needs to go have his quiet time. Um, so it's been really good. I think to, you know, have, have a close eye on, on how it's affecting them. And I, I mean, that part's been great. Like I said, I'll take a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. If I was stuck at home with babies, I'd probably, probably be in trouble. <laughs> but, um, I mean, we, we've, we've been able to, um, ride our bikes all over and play in the rivers and, um, so it's been nice to find our space that brings us peace and um, solitude and the freedom, to, you know, to still feel like we're not stuck in a house. But um, yeah, I'm glad we've slowed down. I can't remember if I gave you this question already or not, um, but I ask all of my guests to answer one of two questions. So the first question is, Tell us about a time when you had to insist on yourself or on getting your own way. And the other question is, tell us about a time when you insisted on the success of another woman. I'm, I think I have a hard time um, talking about myself and being um, introspective or so I, I, I'm not sure. I think I, I think I fight hard for myself. And I, mm-hmm. I do a pretty good job of taking care of myself and listening to my needs, but also um, being aware that my needs aren't the same as everybody else's. Mm. Um, I insist that we take care of each other and share our resources and listen and work for good. Beautifully put. Thank you for getting outside of your comfort zone. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I would love to at some point, like talk more about you know like quilting and like the ins and outs of the things that you do mm-hmm. um but yeah. i don't know that you know everybody that's going to listen is like as interested in that stuff <laughs> so i didn't sure. want to i didn't want to like you know yeah nerd out too hard <laughs> <laughs> well you are welcome to nerd out anytime um yeah i'm i'm around and i'm usually at home these days Aren't we all? (laughs) (laughs) 
It's not uncommon for my guests to get back in touch with me after the interview. Some women have a vulnerability hangover about potential overshares, and some women feel like they didn't express themselves as clearly as they wanted to in the moment. And I, I get it. That's, that's why I talk so slowly most of the time. Melissa had a hard time answering the insist question. And, you know, sometimes it helps us to see ourselves more clearly through the eyes of someone close to us. So she asked her husband and he told her, you have a pretty strong personality and usually get your way. She said, I'm not so sure I always get my way, but confidently believing in my abilities and the gifts that I have to offer helps me to stand up for myself in situations. I'm my number one proponent. If I'm not going to stand up for myself, who is? Can I get an amen? (laughs) You can find Melissa's work at 214 Magnolia, Midmod Collective, and on her website at Melissa neverett.com. That's Everett with two T's. We love our masks from Melissa, my kids included. And this month, she's donating 20% of her sales to the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. Remember that we are building a community of insisters on Patreon. Join up and join the conversation. Visit patreon.com slash insisterhood for more information. And don't forget to subscribe, follow, rate, and review. When you give us some stars and some kind words on Apple Podcasts, it helps us find our way into more listening ears. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you'll join me next week for another Real Talk conversation with an inspiring gal. Well, really, I insist. (laughs) 